Welcome to Sunday School, a conversation on pleasure, intimacy, connection, and the messiest yet most beautiful parts of life. From two friends who grew up in a conservative culture like Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm one of your hosts, Britt Pham, and I use she, they pronouns. And I'm your other host, Mac Harvey. I use she, her pronouns. And we started this conversation together and with you because we found that healing happens when you process in community. So by sharing our stories and our journeys, we hope that it will create some space for you and your expansion into the full, magical human being that you are and are becoming. And before we get into it, we're going to start like we always do on this podcast with a grounding breath. So wherever you are, however you may be listening, go ahead and get comfy in your seat or in your feet if you're standing. Take a moment to just like wiggle your body. Get all the little kinks out and the jitters. Release anything that you want to release in this moment. And take a deep inhale through your nose. And as you inhale, lift your shoulders up to your ears and just fill your body. And then exhale out your mouth to release your shoulders down. Let's do one more just like that into your belly, shoulders up. And release back down. One more wiggle, maybe a shimmy. And let's get into it. Mm, that was lovely. Thank you for that, Britt. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, we haven't recorded in a couple weeks, so we have hella updates for each other and for you all. <laughs> Mac, do you want to start? Oh my God, yes. I have so much. I I feel like we haven't talked in so long. Like we we text like every day, but <laughs> like actually talking on the phone, we haven't been doing that as much as we normally do. And I just miss you so much. And yeah, I just dude. have so much like bursting ready to tell you. <laughs> I feel like I've lived like several lifetimes since <laughs> we last like actually talked. And I'm like, who am I? Who is McKenna anymore? I know. I don't I even know, know you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Who is yeah. she? <laughs> Yeah, so I'll, I'll just dive right in. Um, mm -hmm. I think we left off uh, before I had taken my trip to Bend, Oregon, and I am back from that now. It's been a week, um, and wow, so so much happened. <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow. That's, that's to sum it all up. Wow, yeah, I, I flew out there uh, last week, and I met up with Helicopter Boy. And it was so much fun. First of all, Bend is just lovely. And so one night we walked around and we got kind of drunk. We went dancing for a bit, just walked around, got drinks. And everybody that I encountered in Bend is so nice. Yeah, it was beautiful. One weird thing that happened is I was wearing this very tight dress because it was like my one night we were going out. And I was going to save that dress for my sex club dress, which we didn't end up going to a sex club. I know, I know. But we talked a lot about it. I had a really good conversation with him about it and like felt like it, I could be absolutely safe doing that. 
and he even said he's like maybe i'll get there and i won't want to do it he's like i just think it sounds fun and so i loved we were on the same page with that and it was just so easy to communicate my feelings towards him and he just heard me and it was it was really really nice oh well like so, boy yeah so even <laughs> though it didn't happen the conversation around it was very healing and very mm. nice and we did have a lot of crazy sex, so it was okay. Yeah, you can fucking friend of strangers anytime. Exactly. <laughs> we can find that on the street. <laughs> Especially but, um, in Bend, where everyone's so friendly. And so I was, I was saying I was wearing this, like, tight little dress. It was, like, super form-fitting, short, had a little leg slit. Was feeling myself. I, I didn't wear any underwear underneath it. Which what? I oh, felt, my yeah, God. I felt so sexy. Ooh, I, felt, I was feeling good. Oh, my God. Like, I I rarely wear underwear. I rarely go without underwear because I feel just like a little too exposed when I don't wear it. And I'm also nervous. Like, what if I sit down and I stand up and there's just like all this pussy juice on the back of my dress or my pants? That's a that's a legitimate fear. Totally. <laughs> but I would love to get finger banged on the dance floor. <laughs> Well, and that's why I brought it because I was like, if I do go to a sex club, I don't have to wear any underwear and it's like easy access. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was, it felt good. Okay. And then one thing that's never happened to me before was we were walking down the street and this group of three dudes walk past us going the other way. And I'm literally walking right next to helicopter boy. Like we weren't holding hands or anything, but it's like pretty apparent. We were like talking and we were together. They catcalled me like in front of him. And it wasn't anything disgusting. I didn't feel threatened in that moment. It was just like, I was a little drunk. They sounded drunk. But this guy like walked past and they were like, damn, look at that tight little dress. Like, they was like, girl, you're looking good. And a uh, helicopter boy told me, he's like, yeah, that was like the biggest confidence boost for me. I hope you're okay with that. Because I've been catcalled before where I'm like, oh, I feel like I feel threatened. Yeah. You know, or it's vulgar and disgusting and I hate it. Yeah. But that instance was more like, oh, yeah, damn, like I do look good. And yeah. like, yes, thank you. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. There have been a couple of times in the recent months that I've been talked to on the street here and I've become just more bold, but also less patient. <laughs> And there have been many times where someone says something to me and I just turn around and I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> and I keep walking. And I feel very New York. I've also like, so New York. I've also yelled at cars that almost hit me on my bike. I'm like, hey, what? You know, they honk at me and I just like hold up my middle finger and I feel so great. Um, but oh, once God, I, was, I, I was biking and with a friend and I was just like, I was wearing this like one shoulder top that I, it's super cute. And as I was passing this car and this guy rolls down his window and like, he, it's like super tinted windows and he rolls it down and he's like wearing these sunglasses and like, I think his mask was on and he just like looked at me and was like, I love you. And I was like, <laughs> thank you. That's and it made adorable. me feel so good. Like, yeah. yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's different when it's like just a compliment or whatever and rather than mm -hmm. harassment, you know, there's a fine Exactly. Line. Basically, I'm saying give us compliments on the street, but don't be shitty about it. <laughs> exactly. Just don't be a fucking creep. Just give me a genuine compliment. <laughs> and don't expect anything from it either. And also Venmo me $10. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start charging. <laughs> so yeah, we had a wonderful night, but then we get back to his house and he's like, hey, yeah. he's like, let's like smoke a little bit. So we go out and we each take one hit because we're both like very lightweights. 
And that was the mistake because we were both just like spinning after that. (laughs) No, bad crossfades, the worst. Yeah, it was bad. So we both just like get back into his bed and like lay there. And I remember like rubbing his back and then he was like playing with my hair and it was so intimate and sweet. And I don't remember what we were talking about, but I remember laughing so hard. Like both of us just like laughing about whatever the fuck we were talking about. And it was just like such a wholesome moment. And then we both just like passed out on top of each other. <laughs> and so it was really sweet. I was like, oh, we didn't even have sex. We just like laughed and fell asleep together. And it was really, really lovely. And then other than that, my aunt and uncle have a cabin in Sisters. And so we spent a lot of time out at my uh, aunt's cabin. And it was nice just to have a whole cabin to ourselves. I got to cook meals for us. It made my heart so full. We had really good conversation and really good sex, which that was really healing. I I know I talked about before, whenever it comes to Helicopter Boy, I feel very comfortable with him. And we have such a history together I just, like, I don't feel weird being, like, naked around him. It was just, like, Mm -hmm. we, like, sat and watched a movie completely naked on the couch together. Yeah. And I just loved that. It was really nice just to, like, be myself. And I got to use my vibrator a few times, which I had never used a toy with a partner before. Yeah. I was thinking he would want to use it on me, but he was like, I want to watch you use it. Oh. And so he tried it for a bit. Like I, well, like I laid there and he was just like touching me and like kissing me and I was like using my vibrator. And with him, I had to like lay there and like really concentrate on what he was doing to me. Yeah. And then I just kind of like didn't, I wasn't able to concentrate on the vibrator. Yeah. I feel that. I feel like I have like not so great of an attention span when I'm, intimate with somebody, which is weird because I'm a very focused person. And like, that's why I can't 69 with someone. And I don't know why people like want to fucking 69 all the time. I'm like, is this enjoyable for anybody? Because it's not enjoyable for me. I'm not really focused on anything. <laughs> yeah, I can either I can either give you a good blowjob or have an orgasm. Like, <laughs> I can't do both. I don't know what it was. You're asking too much of me. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> And so, and so with using this for the first time, I just kind of did what I like to do. And, and right. he was so happy. He bought like nice, like medical grade lube, which Ooh. is like, the, it was the same bottle of lube that I use in uh, the clinic that I work at. We use it for all our pap smears. And so I was like, I knew I was like, this is good shit. And he was like, is it? And I was like, yes, okay, like, sure. I use it at the clinic, like for medical reasons. <laughs> it's not flavorful. It's not all fun and sparkly, but you know, it's, it's nice. It gets the job done. And uh, so he was like very generous with the lube, which I have honestly never been in a sexual encounter where the guy has offered up so much lube. I love that. I know. And since we were having so much sex in the short amount of time, I would have died without it. Like anytime he was like lube. And I was like, yes. Yes, yes I love that Absolutely. because yeah. I've I've started to be, make it more of a practice to ask for it when I'm hooking yeah. up with somebody and I don't like I don't have as much shame around it as I used to I'm just kind of like hey can we use lube and usually people are like oh yeah no problem like let's do it but I also need like a lot of lube like every time you put anything yeah. inside me you have to put lube on it first and I recently received feedback that I actually I thought I used to I used to think that I'm like a very dry person but the past two people I've hooked up with have given me feedback that I'm a very wet person and I'm like really okay then I guess it's just like I need a lot of lube to feel comfortable then and like yeah you know 
Well, and even if you do get wet, if lube makes you more comfortable, like still oh, use it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. Because that was me. Like, I don't get super wet if I'm if I've had some red wine and I'm extremely <laughs> turned on, which those go hand in hand. Then I don't really need lube because <laughs> that's like that's like the wettest I'll get. I'm just like I don't even. We're not even. You haven't even touched me yet, and I'm just like swimming. <laughs> and that happened one night like i had some red wine we were just like talking he hadn't even touched me hadn't even like alluded to sex and all of a sudden we were just like started it terrific he's, like, oh he's like you're so wet and i was like i know <laughs> it's the red wine <laughs> and the week came to an end it was super lovely we just had so much fun together went on some beautiful hikes uh had a couple beach days at this lake and then he dropped me off at the airport and, um, you know, we said our goodbyes and I was feeling so good. Like you mm. called me and ch- we chatted for a bit and yeah, I remember just being like so optimistic and like, yeah, that was so amazing. I feel so good and secure in how I'm feeling and yeah, nothing's wrong. And then and like, I, I was like, back, are you sure? Like, <laughs> I like how you say you're like, this is off brand for you. <laughs> You're like, okay, okay, okay. And then like I get home, my gut just like drops. And I think it was because my friends were like, tell us about the trip. And so I was like kind of recounting how it was to them. And then after that, I just like could not stop thinking about it. It just like it clicked in my head that I don't know when I'm going to see him again. And that's how it always is with him. And so I just cried and I like left you a voice message of me crying in my car. <laughs> and I just, it, I realize it happens every time with him because so many times in our time knowing each other, we've both dropped each other off at airports, mm-hmm. said goodbye, and just had to walk away, yeah. not knowing when we're going to see each other. And that being said, I, I still feel the same of like, I don't, I don't want to date him. I, I don't think we should date yeah. right now. If ever our lives just aren't coinciding, I don't want anything to change there, but I still miss him, you yeah. know? And yeah. I kind of just let myself sit in that and yeah. be okay with the fact that I can feel both of those things. It's hard not knowing like oh it could be six months it could be two years it could be five years and that's the part that kind of hurts especially after having you know such a lovely time with him and remembering all the fun things about each other and how easy it is yeah and then just having to walk away and say goodbye and it um it's hard it's hard every time I think the way my body goes through this cycle is I just have to cry it out and really miss him for a couple days and then it just tapers off and I just go back to my life. As your friend, I have to acknowledge my automatic instinct is to be like, he hurt you. This is not good for you. (laughs) Right. But having heard you talk about him and your relationship so much over the years, I have so much like respect and admiration for the way that you hold yourself through this relationship with him. And I think it's a really beautiful sort of, I don't know, this might get really, really deep, but like a really beautiful symbol of how life is sometimes. Like we do contain multitudes. We do 
we are allowed to say, I don't want to be in relationship and I really love you and I want to spend time with you. Right. And like being able to acknowledge that those multitudes exist and it's, they're not mutually exclusive. And then to be able to still be present and enjoy the pleasure of it. And then also the shadow side of that with the crying afterwards and the acknowledgement that you won't know when you you're going to see him again is all there. And I feel like you're so good at holding those multitudes, which with such grace and compassion for yourself and the people around you, because for me, I, I, I don't know if I, I think I'm starting to learn more about that softness, but historically I've always been such like a hard line person. And like, I think we also grow up in a society that tells us like, this means this thing. There are very binary views on how relationships and intimacy are supposed to work. And what you're doing is actually, you're thinking about it intentionally and then you're experiencing it and you're living it in real time. And that shit's hard to do because I think we can think about it as much as we want and talk about how we wish, you know, relationships could be this or that way, but it's a totally different thing to actually live it. And I just like, I'm so happy for you. And I, I also knowing like your past romances too, I think you've come like such a far way in such a short amount of time. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I still feel like I make it sound like I'm yeah I'm good with it. No, I'm I'm not. But like it's messy, dude. Like I yeah. that's why I think it's so important to like say these things and acknowledge you for it because I know what it's like to be in it and be like I'm a fucking mess. Like yeah. I suck. I'm the worst person in the world. Blah blah blah. blah. And then I just want you to know like that's not how you appear Thank on the you. outside if that matters at all. <laughs> Should I get into my weekly update? Yes. Yeah, okay. please do. I'm ready. So let's see. How do I fucking tell the saga of my life over the past two weeks? Where to begin? Oh, I'm so excited. I haven't heard all of this. So the saga begins about three to four weeks ago when I texted who I call Hippie Bay. I'm like, I'm like so confused. I don't even know where to start this whole fucking journey. Okay, okay. It feels like a lifetime ago too. I know, dude. (laughs) All right, let me start over. All right. So everybody, on my birthday, I went to a dance party with a fuck ton of friends in Brooklyn, ended up running into somebody that I met at the end of last year through mutual friends. We'll call him Hippie Bay. I've had a big crush on him for several months now. Weeks later, come to find out that he thought I was looking pretty hot that day. And I've been like, you know, as I've been talking about on the pod and with you, just like experimenting with um, my flirty side and being more bold and kind of finding new ways to connect with people. And I really wanted to have an experience of asking someone out because I've never done that before. Never made the first move. So once I found out that he thought I was looking hot, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to shoot my shot. So I texted him and we ended up arranging a date and I was super fucking nervous. Like I think that entire week I just like got hit with these waves of like, I think I might vomit because I'm so (laughs) nervous. We went out and you know, it was a weird fucking night. There's so much I could say about it, but I think where I've landed is just like, it was a weird night. And had it been with like anybody else, like a Tinder date, a stranger, I think it would have just occurred to me as like, you know, we didn't click. 
weird hookup. But because there were all these layers of like, we have mutual friends, we kind of share some friend groups. I think I just like had all of these stories going into the situation that I, and I was definitely projecting some assumptions onto him that weren't entirely fair. But all that to say, you know, we had a dinner, he invited me back to his place. In that moment, I, I actually like wasn't what a 100% for sure like yes I do want to go home and and hook up Mm -hmm. with him but because like the whole dinner was like a little bit I feel like we had a hard time finding like a conversational flow but I said yes anyway because I was like let's just see like where the night takes us you know like this could be we ended up driving back to his place and when we were in the car he didn't put any music on and I was like ew no Oh, I just like, I keep thinking about this and I keep thinking about like all the things I could have said at any point that may have made the vibe a little less nerve wracking. Like mm. when he walked into the restaurant, I like didn't even hug him because I was so nervous. I was like, do you want to sit inside or outside? <laughs> and we just like sat down and like really jumped into it. <laughs> And like when he asked me to go back to his place, like I wish I would have stopped myself and been like, you know, I want to say yes, but I just want to name right now that like I've been really nervous all night because I think you're really cool and I and I really like don't want this to be like a weird thing because of our friends. And I feel like that would have changed the whole trajectory of the night, but you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. We end up hooking up and we didn't have like penetrative sex, but for all intents and purposes, we had sex. What do you define sex as? Another podcast conversation, perhaps. <laughs> you know, it was it was one of the first sexual experiences I had where I was on the receiving end for the most part. And there were a few moments where like I told him that I don't usually come with a partner. And we had a little chat about that. And then like towards the end, I felt like I hadn't like given enough to him and I wasn't really sure like what he wanted. So I just kind of like went for the gold and went down on him and like finished. And so all of these moments kind of accumulated for me in this like real deep feeling of shame that I didn't even know I had around these things. Mm -hmm. Like the shame that I hold for not, not coming with partners like, I think that there is a narrative that I've held on to for a while that I haven't acknowledged where, like, some I think something's wrong with me because I don't come. And because of that, I just give a lot to kind of distract from the fact that, like, it's taking me forever. There's no real, like, end scene for me, you know? I think on top of that, too, I just felt like kind of like a gawky teenager in a lot of ways. Like, I still think he's like a super cool guy. I really wish that we would have gotten the chance to get to know each other a little bit more. I wish I would have just said like, hey, I'm not going to go home with you tonight, but I'd really like to just get to know you a bit more because I'm realizing I might be demisexual. Like I might really need this like emotional connection with someone to really feel good about having sex with them. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, all things said – that experience really shook me, to be honest. Like, I spent the whole week just in this spiral of, like, shame. What could I have done differently? What's going on with him? Like, what should I say? All of this stuff. And it was really stressful. <laughs> and I kind of reached a point towards the end of the week when we, you know, he checked in with me. I checked in with him. And we both kind of acknowledged that the experience was, like, quite vulnerable for both of us. Yeah. I think that we both felt a little bit weird about the night and um 
I thought about maybe offering some space for us to like talk it out and process together, but I kind of realized that a lot of the things that I was trying to say were coming from a place of worrying about what he thought of me and trying to manipulate the situation so that I would get the kind of response I wanted from him. And at the end of the day, I just felt like we hadn't really connected to the point where I honestly trusted that he could like hold the kind of space that I would want if we were to talk it out. And I don't know what the fuck he wanted. Maybe he's over there just like, oh, fine. You know, we fucked and it was weird, whatever. Who knows? We never will have the chance to fucking talk about it. So yeah, just like, I still, I still find myself thinking about it like weeks later. I'm just like, man, what the fuck happened there? Like, I, I, who knows, maybe someday we'll be able to talk about it down the road if we do actually become better friends. But yeah, it was just, it was just like a really weird experience and I'm still not, you know, fully coherent about it. I'm still feeling very tender. I just want to acknowledge how you carried yourself through that I I like wished so bad I could have just been with you in person and hugged you there was just so much conflict there for you and from an outsider's perspective just looking in on this it's such an interesting situation because like from your guys's date that night like there wasn't like a definitive thing that happened that you could say you know it was bad or like because of this like it just was a a overall vibe and like you said in the beginning I think maybe you had a lot of expectations because you had a crush on this guy and so it's just was so interesting to me to see you work through it and I think you just were very aware of yourself and you just asked of me space for you and I just want to commend you for asking for that when you needed it that was just like really brave of you to go through that because it seemed like it was so just like conflicting and weird and like you couldn't say it was bad but it wasn't good yeah and it's so confusing yeah and I really appreciate that because I think if there's anything I took away from that entire experience was it was that I have the most amazing community and friends in the world I was a in my in my perspective and in my lived experience, I was a total mess that week. And I was just vomiting all of my feelings onto anybody who would listen. And I felt so guilty about that because I usually feel a lot of responsibility to hold space with friends, with dates. And I often go home after social encounters and I run through every single thing that happened that night. And I think Mm -hmm. about what I said that may have caused harm. People I may need to follow up with to make sure they're okay. Like I'm just anxious in that way. And so I feel so grateful to have been held by myself and the people around me through that entire experience. And I just want to make it super clear. Like there was nothing that was quote unquote wrong. Like no one did anything wrong that date slash night. Uh, There was no violation of consent. If anything, it was a super consensual sexual experience that just brought up a lot for me that I didn't know was there to look at or that I thought I had already looked at in regards to the shame, the societal shame I carry around my orgasm or lack of orgasm or my ability as a 
as someone who is socialized as a woman to perform in the bedroom and to give and to really care about my partner's pleasure, you know, like, and then on top of that, there's another layer of like talking about this stuff is kind of in some ways my job. Like we have this podcast, I want to go into sex education. And so there's an extra layer of guilt I put on myself where I'm like, I should be more liberated and healed and I should be super embodied. And like, why did I not show up in the most sexual, Mm. pleasurable way in this experience with this person that I think is really cool and actually like pretty enlightened in that way, you know? (laughs) And it's just like, it's, it was just so messy and I think a really good example of how we talk a lot about healing in general and on this podcast. And I think a lot of our stories, you know, our listeners or, or people out in the world hear us at a point after we've like processed and we've kind of gone through it. But you and I see each other in like the thick of it and we know how fucked up and messy it is and like it's just not a linear process and I even talked to like some sex ed uh acquaintances of mine as well and they were all like you know we still fuck up all the time like you you can have all the best tools in the world to give to other people when it comes to this kind of stuff like pleasure intimacy sex but when it comes to applying it for yourself it's a totally different story well, and and like you said, it's it's not just a linear process. Um, we can sit here and talk about how comfortable we are, you know, with certain things. But then in the moment when you're naked with somebody touching each other and being vulnerable, it's hard to completely open yourselves up. And because even with a helicopter boy using my sex toy, I had to really focus on just me doing myself while he was laying there. And I was like, I, I want to touch, like I should be doing something to contribute to his pleasure. Right. But I wouldn't have come if I was focused on anything else other than yeah. me. Yeah. Well, and it was a lot of guilt to work through and it still is. Yeah. I think there's also on the other side of the spectrum, an element of the orgasm industrial complex is what I've come to learn it as where the more liberal people who are all sex positive really center the orgasm as part of the pleasure experience. And that's not what sex is about. It's not about just getting to that orgasm. And I think I've talked a lot about and come have come to intellectually understand that over the past few months, but being, like you said, naked with somebody and really vulnerable was a totally different experience because in that sexual encounter, we talked about how, you know, we like to enjoy the pleasure of it and to draw it out. And it's not always about that end goal. And I was like, yeah, I totally agree. But in the moment I was like, I actually don't know what else to do. Like, I I don't know what else to do other than just go down on you and get you to come so that I can fucking go home. Like, (laughs) I don't know. And I think that something else that's important to talk about in this conversation is the concept of aftercare, which Mm -hmm. um, my current paramour recently explained to me in terms that I didn't really think about before. Mm -hmm. And that's like when you're really intimate with somebody or like in a vulnerable position of just being naked with somebody. And especially when you're not just having like 
penetrative, let's get to the orgasm sex, but you're really like drawing it out and exploring each other's bodies. Aftercare is such an important part because you have to like really let each other know like, hey, I had a good time. Even if I didn't come, I had a good time. Even though I couldn't get you to come, I had a good time. You know, just an assurance that I had a good time. And I'm realizing that that's what I was really lacking from my experience with Hippie Bay was like, we, we kind of finished and it was pretty clear like I was done for the night and he came and that was that. And, uh, you know, I just started kind of getting dressed and he didn't ask me, hey, do you want to stay? And I didn't say, hey, should I stay or go? I was just kind of like, all right, I, you know, and okay, I think, bye. He, yeah. And then like, you know, he called me an Uber, super nice of him. And I was like, I was like, no, it's fine. I'll just bike or like, I'll get my own Uber. But I was like, actually, can you just get my Uber? Because Ubers are hella expensive. Yeah. And I didn't get that aftercare. I I sat in the Uber and I spiraled and then I called you that night. And I honestly, I cried because it was so raw. And I didn't have that moment with the person that I had shared that space with to be like, hey, thank you. Like, I got you. I appreciate you. And I think that I wish I would have asked for it. And there was certainly an element of like, I felt like I should leave because I don't want to be too much because we both came into this uh, space and this date with the understanding that we were both kind of looking for like a casual intentional experience. And I didn't want to be like, Hey, can we hang out? Can I get some aftercare? Because I didn't want to be him to get the impression that like I wanted more. And I think that going back to like the binary culture that we live in, it's like, oh, but if we cuddle and sleep over afterwards, that must mean that you want to like date and get married and have kids. Yeah. But like, that's not the case. Aftercare is so important for like all kinds of intimate experiences. Mm-hmm. And that applies to whether like you're having a very intense BDSM scene with somebody and you have to assure, you know, each other that I was just calling you a dirty whore a minute ago, but I really <laughs> love you versus like, I actually don't think that <laughs> versus like I'm hooking up with a mutual friend and I, you know, it was highly intimate and we should have, we should take extra care with each other. So it's yeah. all messy y'all. <laughs> I don't know. because it was like a fucking weird night for me and again to make it clear nobody's fault I think he's a great person it's just brought up a lot yeah Um, I'm just glad you made it through and there wasn't anything you know more traumatic that happened but it's still it's still messy yeah so tell us about um this new bay this new bay okay well I may have mentioned them on the pod before because I met them on Tinder through when I had COVID, when we had COVID. Mm. We shall call them the kinky bear. So I matched with the kinky bear beginning of quarantine because I was uh, losing my mind in the house. And I was like, let me just swipe. I was super stoked to match with them because they had like a really interesting profile, like they seem very kinky, sex positive, they're genderqueer, they're queer. And uh, we talked for like over like two weeks before we actually met because again, I had COVID and then they were mm. super busy. And um, we sent like long messages to each other, voice memos, video messages, like actually really got to know each other, which I really appreciate. I know there are a lot of people who are very anti-text, like they just kind of want to get to the point and meet up. Hippie Bay was kind of like that very plain texture. I was like, give me something to work with. (laughs) But that said, 
yeah, I really got to know them. And then we hung out like a, a couple times over the past couple weeks, just like got, um, got drinks, got snacks, took walks and they're really amazing human. Just like wow. super present and intentional and communicative. They're always telling me that they like enjoy hearing my voice or they want to see my face or they want to spend time with me. And it's for me as an anxious attacher, very affirming to hear someone just say to my face, I want to spend time with you. (laughs) Because sometimes I don't think that people actually want to spend time with me. Yep. And um, we had a cute date last week where I've been on a work project that's been taking up a lot of space in my mind. And so I asked them to just plan a date because I was like, I just don't have the space to even know what I want to do this week, but I want to see you. So how would you feel about planning a date? And they were like, totally. Yes, I'm into it. They planned this whole night. So we like went to dinner at this cute spot in Soho and like everything they chose that night was really intentional and about me. Like they chose this restaurant because it's been owned by three generations of Asian women. Oh my God. And the food was really good. And then we went to um, an improv comedy show in Brooklyn because I said that I like comedy. We left the show early, took a walk, got ice cream, and then we went to play uh, shuffleboard because I love shuffleboard. Yes. It's at this like place called Royal Palms in Brooklyn and all of their merch kind of plays on like old people playing shuffleboard and they have this like Royal Palms visor that they sell and I had made I made a comment before we left I was like oh I gotta come back and get one of these and they were like I'm just gonna get you one right now so they got me a Royal Palms visor oh my gosh cute and then we came back to my place and smoked and played this game called The Mind which we love awesome game yeah you don't know about it check it out and then um I didn't think I wanted to have sex I told them I was like I think I just want to like hang and and talk and they were like okay and then they sat on my bed and I was like mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I started making out with them and then we took our clothes off and then we had sex and it's great um Woo-hoo. and I think it was really it's been really interesting to kind of contrast my two recent intimate experiences with people because like I think that you sent me this TikTok it's just this TikTok about this woman talking about how we can look at dating rather than a validation of like us being good enough, looking at dating as if it's a good fit or not. Mm. And I've been thinking about that a lot in the context of these two recent experiences I had, because I think with the first with Hippie Bay, it just like wasn't a good fit versus meeting this person, the kinky bear and like noticing how we, could have a great flowy conversation, especially touching on topics like race and class and gender, which are very important topics for me to be able to connect with somebody on. With Hippie Bay, it was open, but it wasn't vulnerable. And with Kinky Bear, I feel like I can be vulnerable. And I told them about like how I've been working through healing and sexuality. And they just like have held incredible space for some really great conversations. And I think that I'm trying to like sit with just feeling good. It was really just like, it felt, it feels so natural. And there are little tinges of anxiety, I think, because they are so affirming with their words and they really seem to like me. (laughs) And I'm over here like, 
I don't feel like I've done anything to like earn this. I haven't, you know, I, I just, I don't, I'm kind of like, why, why do you like, (laughs) because you're so amazing because you're a beautiful person. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you why. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. And I'm really trying to just like let it land and to just tell myself, like, I don't have to show up 200% in my relationships to deserve love and to deserve pleasure. And I think it's also helpful that they are queer and they're having a lot of thoughts and conversations around queerness as I am as well. They're also a baby queer. I'm a baby queer. Mm -hmm. So it's been nice. And they're also in a poly, they're polyamorous. I feel free from all of the expectations of what a relationship should or could look like because Mm -hmm. this relationship with this new person is so queer in many ways beyond just genitals and um, who we have sex with, but it's queering the way that we think about connection and the way that we think about building something with somebody. And I, that feels very freeing and very exciting for me to explore. And it feels natural. Like it feels like what I should have been doing all my life. Yes. I think we should go to church on this because I'm really curious to see how this experience fits in in your journey of queerness and identifying as queer. Yeah, let's go to church, baby. Let's go to church. All right, let's talk about queerness, baby. Okay, well, so the Kinky Bear is actually my first queer sexual experience um, since kind of coming into that identity and naming it and like I guess coming out I really I have a lot of feelings about the term coming out it's a very like colonial western concept and I didn't even realize that it was my first queer experience until I told my friend about this date and she was like wait was this your first date with a nonsense man and I was like yeah and I love that it didn't feel like a whole thing because I was like this is just the people I, I was supposed to be like dating in the first place well and I think that's like super telling is that you even with this first experience you just feel at home with it (laughs) but I mean to kind of go back to where should I begin like when did you when did you really begin to intentionally identify yourself Mm. with the label of queerness yeah well okay so I feel like it started kind of around mid to end of last summer, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going through a lot in terms of inner, doing inner work, reflecting on who I am, who I want to be. And I had a very intense experience that really triggered some inner child wounds for me around feeling othered and feeling like I didn't fit in with the cool kids, which brought me back to a memory where when I was like 14 or something, I planned this like really extravagant birthday situation for a close friend of mine at the time who was like a very cool kid. And I just remember there being like a general vibe in the friend group of like, this is so much why is Brit doing all of this? <laughs> is she lesbian for this friend whose birthday it is? As I was reflecting on it last summer, I was like, oh my God, 
I think I was like truly in love with this friend. Like it wasn't just like, I really wanted to be good friends with her. It was like, I really, really loved her. And I just like went 150% in on it. And um, that realization kind of brought another realization to light for me where I was probably like 10, 11, 12 years old. I remember I had like a very intense sex dream about my female best friend at the time. And I remember waking up and I didn't feel shame about it. I was like, that was dope. And I never thought about it again. (laughs) Sick. Sick. (laughs) I was really hesitant to own the term or identity queer. Even as recently as a few years ago when I was in my most recent relationship with uh, my ex, we had a conversation about queerness very early on in our relationship. And I was telling him like, well, I've always really loved the idea of like being with somebody that I really love regardless of what genitals they have or how they identify. And I like kissing girls. I've kissed girls before. I, I'm attracted to all kinds of people for different reasons, like physical physicality aside, I feel like I'm very much attracted to like energies. And he was like, Brit, you're queer. And I was like, yeah, but I don't, I don't feel like I should be taking up space in this community because I'm very straight passing. Uh, I've been in hetero relationships my entire life. But I think a lot of that changed at the end of last summer where I was kind of wrapping my head around what queerness means beyond who you have sex with. And I was like, I just feel like this label and owning it makes me feel good because I feel like my entire life is queer. I mean, to me, queer feels like breaking the structures and the the binaries and the things that tell us we should or should not be certain ways. And it means just making choices for yourself that feel good and that feel free and liberated. And that's all I want my life to be in my relationships and my work, everything. (laughs) Well, and I, I will add, I remember asking you when you started more openly talking about, you know, being queer and identifying as queer and, um, I I remember asking you, like, what's your definition of that? Because I am still learning about what that means, you know, in kind of society as well as to me. Um, And and the term queer was the one that I was not totally familiar with. And I just want to give you credit for helping me on my journey to accepting myself and my queerness. Because the way you put it was so eye-opening to me. That it just, I mean, to me, it just means freedom to Mm. step away from those heteronormative, you know, ideologies that I've been brought up with my entire life. It just gives me other options. Like my experience is just like, I've always kind of dated men and I'm definitely attracted to them, but there's also that attraction there for women. Queerness just gives me the freedom to explore that. And so thank you for that because it was just like so (laughs) eye-opening. I just love you for that. It was so cool. I love that. And I, and I, I really am so grateful for you and my other friends who I can have these kinds of conversations with because I feel like coming into queerness has been such a community effort as well for me. I have a group of friends here in New York. We're all queer Asian femmes. We have a group chat. We have dinners once a month. And 
I get to have these conversations with them that are so opening and I get to try on different labels that I learn about. And, and I think community is such a huge part of this conversation for me. So I appreciate that reflection. And I also just want to name too, in this conversation, we are using as, we are doing our best to be as inclusive with our language as possible. And we are still wrapping our heads around terms that we want to use. And also just like the most inclusive terms to use in general. And if we fuck up, call us in, you know, send us a note on Instagram. We want, we, this is a learning process and language is, is fluid and is always evolving. With that said, I think that it's been really interesting to, since trying on queer as an identity to also try on other identities when it comes to beyond sexuality, like my gender identity and my gender expression, that's been something that's been interesting to explore in the realm of gender queerness. Mm. And I started using they, them pronouns alongside she, her pronouns in the spring because it wasn't really anything linear. It was just like, I had a couple really intense emotional experiences that made me feel discomfort in my body like something wasn't aligned and I kept saying to friends I just feel like I'm on the verge of naming something and I don't Mm. quite know what that name is and somehow ended up in a conversation around gender identity with a few friends and one of my friends kind of shared that she sometimes felt more non-binary than not some days. And that really landed with me because I was like, fuck, I feel that way too. Like, I just feel like I don't identify with the box of being like ultra femme woman all the time, Mm. but that's how I've always expressed because of the culture that I was raised in, not only just like conservative Utah, but also within my family. Like I've always been complimented for how beautiful my hair is and how beautiful I am. Beautiful being very tied to my femininity. Yeah. And before this like big moment last spring, I had cut my hair super short and that was really confronting for me because I didn't realize how much I rely on my hair to express my femininity and to express my beauty and hotness and how I mm. value myself. All of this is a very messy way of saying that one day I was sitting in the car with my family. I was listening to a Brene Brown podcast that had nothing to do with gender, honestly, but they were talking about prisons and the physical prisons versus the prison of your mind. Mm -hmm. And for some reason that resonated with me. And I thought to myself, what if I start using they, them pronouns? And I just remember feeling so euphoric in my body. The minute I landed on that, I was like, wow, that feels so good. That like feels like me. And I changed it in my Instagram bio. And here I am. When we started recording this podcast too, I remember saying to you, like, I'm not sure if I want to use they pronouns like quite yet. Like maybe I'm wrong and I don't want to take up space and then like change my mind. But then the minute we started recording, I was like, actually, I think I want to do this. And I think the whole point of like this entire thought process, especially around gender identity for me, is that some days I do wake up and I'm like, I do feel ultra femme. And I do feel like I identify more with she, her pronouns. 
and with the, the term woman, you know, and sometimes I wake up and I feel differently. I'm like, I feel really non-binary today. And I feel like I identify more with they, them pronouns. And then how does that affect my expression? You know, cause gender identity and gender expression are very different. It's all really messy. It's all like non-linear. And I think that's the whole point of queerness is that like your existence is fluid and your existence is not constrained by anything other than what feels right to you. And I find that really, really beautiful. Well, I mean, man, I just, I have so much respect for you. And you put it so beautifully that like how you identify in this world is completely up to you. And it can be one way one day and it can be a completely different way the next day. And that is for no one but you to, to decide. Yeah. And so what I am curious about is like, have you, how have you gone about letting people know mm. like what pronouns to call you that day since yeah. it's, it's, it's fluid and yeah. you go by both? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, so far I haven't really felt the need to kind of like be really explicit about it day by day. I generally just introduce myself with she, they pronouns. I've been thinking about switching the order and saying they, she, because I do want to experience more of what it's like to be affirmed within uh, they, them pronouns. And whenever I hear myself being referred to as they, them, it feels really good. That said, I'm not bothered if someone refers to me as she, her, or if someone refers to me as lady or girl or woman, right? Though I think down the line, if that changes, I have no problem just in the moment saying, hey, actually, I don't feel great about that term. I would like if you just didn't use that for me from now on. And -hmm. I feel very safe within my community of people to do that. And within all of this, I just want to acknowledge that there is so much privilege for me being able to talk about this in this way. Like I said before, I am very cishet passing. And so that means I don't receive the same level of harassment or oppression based on how I look than my other queer friends may. And it is a privilege to be like, yeah, I'm okay if someone uses she or they or woman or girl, because that doesn't affect me in that way as it does with other people. Mm -hmm. And it is labor to always have to be like, hey, I don't like this term being used for me. And I have hella respect for people who are so, who stand so strongly in who they are and stand up for themselves so strongly in advocating for themselves because we all live in this world where the assumption is just to call somebody he, him pronouns if they're more mask presenting. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're the, you know, if you're still learning about this language, there's nothing wrong with misgendering somebody. Just don't make a big fucking deal out of it. Just be like, Oh, thank you for correcting me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I think like, you know, that's just my big roundabout way of saying I'm still figuring it out. I'm privileged enough to be in a place where I feel okay just feeling it out and I feel okay just addressing it as it comes. And Mm. that is my personal experience and definitely not anybody else's. Yeah. Like, like I've been saying, I mean, pretty much every podcast is just how grateful I am to watch you through this journey because you have taught me so much you know you you got out of Utah and have experienced this different more open sex positive culture and I feel like I've found it here and in my own ways and with my own people but it's a big journey and I just like love hearing about it and I hope to help in any way that I can and just advocate for you and well I I love that you you 
you said that because something that we didn't talk about on the pod yet is like a conversation we had very early on in recording around Mm -hmm. this topic. And after our first test recording, which will never be released to the public, probably. (laughs) (laughs) You will never hear it. (laughs) But it happened. We had a conversation, a very frank conversation that I was admittedly a little nervous to bring up where I, you know, kind of named that I felt like I was doing a lot of labor in our space in terms of like correcting gender assumptions and um, using more inclusive language. And the way that you received that and like held space with me to have that really important conversation, I'm so grateful for because I've been in spaces with you know, cis het white folks in the past where I have not felt held I think, honestly, it has, like, burned some bridges for me. It's ruined some relationships friendship-wise and work-wise. And Mm -hmm. I never had a doubt in my mind that we would be able to have this conversation. But just kind of like, okay, received, understood. Like, here's my ask. Here's my ask. I can meet you here. And we really – I think we really crushed it. And I think it's really created such an awesome space for this podcast, too. Um, And I'm just really, really grateful. And just, like, I think for anyone listening who may, like – feel more I don't know what the term is like nervous about talking about slash being in the world of queerness Mm. no worries man just like be respectful don't be a shit person be curious ask questions try to do your own labor as much as possible like google's a great resource Mm -hmm. Planned Parenthood great resource (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you know, it's all a learning process. Like none of us are immune from the heteronormative world that we live in. It's the air we breathe. And I I feel very grateful to like live in New York city where I get to explore all this stuff with such abandon. Um, and, uh, we're all here for each other. It's a community effort. We're all just trying to figure out our shit. (laughs) We're all just trying to heal and be hot and have good sex. (laughs) that's all I want Um, I think that brings me to my assignment of the week oh hell yeah kind of keeping on theme of this episode I would encourage any of you listeners in our faithful congregation (laughs) to Explore those non-traditional relationships in your life. Not judging them, just seeing them for what they are and seeing what positivity they can bring to your life. Yeah. I love that. Queer your relationships, everybody. Queer it up. My assignment this week is a musical one. I've talked about Brene Brown like five times already in this episode alone. If you can't tell, I fucking love you, Brene. She is queen. (laughs) But in her podcast, she always asks her guests to share five songs that they can't live without, which I think is like such a better prompt than like, what are your top five favorite songs, you know? Yeah. And so I started a collaborative playlist that I sent to all my friends and I asked them to add their five songs that they can't live without so that I have this whole playlist that I can listen to when I want new music and I can hear a song and I'm like, I know who added that. And it's just like all these people that I love on one playlist. So my invitation for you this week is to start your own five songs you can't live without playlist with the people that you love. 
I love that. Music is such, it's a look into someone's soul in a way. And, Oof, I got chills. Yeah. And music is such a huge part of my life and has been a huge part of my life since like junior high is when I really started loving music and I just be so obsessed with this one album or artist that I just listen to it over and over and over and, and over then again. And you burn me a CD. Yes. <laughs> we used to burn each other's CDs and write notes. It was super cute. I love that. Oh my God. Now we create playlists on Spotify. Hell yeah. How times have changed. And with that said, have an amazing week, everybody. We love you. Take care of yourself. Drink water. Amen. Amen. Have a good week, everybody. Sunday School was created by me, Britt Pham, and me, Mac Harvey. Our theme music is composed and created by Caleb Spaulding. The music you hear during our grounding breath are crystal singing bowls composed and played by Jackie Cantwell. This episode was edited by Danielle Costa. You can find us on Instagram at sunday.school. School is spelled S-X-H-O-O-L. Did we miss anything? No, I don't think so. I feel complete. Me too. I feel complete. Mwah. <laughs> <laughs>